We are in our second month of our sermon series, Christ Revealed. We opened the series last month, and we've had different uh, revelations of who Jesus is. Almighty God, a wonderful counselor, the Lamb of God, our great physician. He's our Prince of Peace. And tonight, I want to talk about Jesus, the light of the world. Our series text has been in Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 20. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. You know, the Bible talks uh, a lot, uh, uses a lot of symbolism and uses a lot of uh, distinctions. The Bible, one thing it talks about a lot is light and darkness. That in the beginning, right, in Genesis, that when God made the heavens and the earth, that the earth uh, was void and that darkness was over the face of the deep. And God said these, these four powerful words. He said, let there be light, right? And, I, I, and when I read that, I kind of get this image of God just seeing this blank slate, this emptiness and this darkness, and with his words, he says, let there be light. And then he rolls up his sleeves and he's like, let's get to work now. And he begins to create. He begins to create and he begins to make uh, these distinctions between uh, the day and night, between light and darkness, between morning and evening, between uh, dry land and the oceans, between animals and humans, between male and female. He begins to make these distinctions. And distinctions, they're important. You know, there's, there's, um, there's a reason why God made and made an emphasis on making certain things distinct. We live right now in this time where um, society wants to be focused on everybody being equal, being the same. You know, we have restrooms that are no longer uh, distinct. It's, it's now neutral. And I'm not really talking about that in this case in terms of the distinctions God is making because you know, we're all created in the image of God. We're all uh, uh, created by the same uh, Father, by the same God, and we're created in his image, and we're all equal in the eyes of God. There's, there's no uh, respecter of persons with God. But there is a reason why God makes distinctions, and there is a reason why God will have something stand out above the rest. With so many philosophies and worldviews and, and religions and ideas, there's one that stands out among them all, and that's our Lord Jesus Christ. He has no equal, okay? He has no equal. And so that's why 
there's a distinction that needs to be made when it comes to talking about Jesus and the faith that we hold on to. In the book of John, chapter 8, verse 12, it says, Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not, shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Let's pray. Father, we thank you tonight, Lord. We thank you for your word, Father God, for the light of your word, God. We thank you for your light, Lord, that shines within our hearts, God, and within our minds, Lord, and begins to reveal things to us, Father God. And I ask and pray that tonight, Father God, Lord, your word would shine, Father God, Lord, and we would take inventory, Father, and Lord, you would reveal to us those areas, Lord, in which you wish to touch tonight, God. That you would strengthen and encourage your people, Heavenly Father. That you would bless your people tonight, Father God, Lord. And give us a, a revelation of your love for us tonight, Father God. In the name of your son, Jesus, we all say, amen. amen. The Bible is specific as to how we are to live our lives. It contains the blueprint for stronger marriages and, and healthy families. It provides instruction on how to be a, a better uh, father or a better spouse, a, a, a better uh, employer. It gives you instructions on, 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 on just about everything in our lives, even to the things that we eat. It gives us instructions, and that is very unpopular because in this postmodernism world, nobody wants to be told what to do. Nobody wants to be told what's right and what's wrong. Nobody wants to be told what's truth because a lot of times it goes contrary to someone's ideas or opinions. People want that freedom to live as they see fit. They want that freedom to live without uh, accountability or without consequence. And, and when we find ourselves like that, it's easy to deceive ourselves. Someone said that the greatest deception is self-deception. And when you're living in a spiritual darkness, it's easy to be deceived. You, you, you might think you're fine and, and everything is going good according to the world's standards and, and you have everything in line and, and everything's good and you don't need a religion or you don't need a faith and you don't need some Bible telling you what is right and wrong. But without Jesus, we're in darkness. So what I mean by darkness? In, in Barnes' notes, uh, that word is scotia, which means darkness is the emblem of ignorance, iniquity, error, or superstition, whatever is opposite to truth and virtue. Men are said to love darkness more than they do light. And when they are better pleased with error than truth, with sin than holiness, or with Belial than Christ. See, human nature prefers uh, darkness because it's convenient, right? We, we fool ourselves into thinking that uh, 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 we go undetected. It's like you ever play peekaboo with the baby, right? And they, they'll cover their eyes and then and peekaboo and now you see them and they'll cover their eyes and, and they think that, uh, you know, when they cover their eyes, you say, you know, where's the baby? And they think they're invisible when they're just doing this. But the reality of it is, is you could see the child, right? It's silly to think that, that uh, just by you closing your eyes, nobody can see you. Maybe you can't see anybody, but it's silly to think that just by the, the closing of your eyes that no one, you know, can see you. And, that, and that's the deception of sin is that we think that, you know, because no one sees. It goes undetected. 
but God sees. There is um, the story of Nicodemus. He was a religious Pharisee, and uh, he was a man that had a, a, a lot of esteem and a lot of influence, and he would come to Jesus by night. Now, people believe that he would come to Jesus by night because Jesus was so controversial that uh, Nicodemus didn't want to be seen coming to Jesus in the middle of the day. Jesus was, he was, um, by the words he was speaking and the healings he was doing, he was ruffling a lot of feathers and he was upsetting the religious community, but yet there was something about Jesus and what he was saying and the miracles that he was doing that was compelling Nicodemus to come to him. And so when he came to him at night, Jesus begins to uh, uh, talk to Nicodemus and begins to express to him about the gospel and begins to tell him that you must be born again. And Nicodemus, is, he doesn't understand, and he's saying, what do you mean born again? You know, how can a, a, a man come out of his mother's womb again? And Jesus begins to explain what he means by being born again. And we take that up in uh, the book of John, chapter 3, verses 16 through 21. He says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, and that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. Uh, Verse 19, it says, this is the verdict. This is the outcome, okay? That light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly and that they have done and what they have done has been done in the sight of God. You know, when, once the light of Christ shines upon a person, they begin to see those areas in their lives that need to be touched. See, Nicodemus was in darkness, not so much because of that sin, but because he was ignorant to that gospel message of being uh, 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 born again. You ever tried working in the dark, painting a room or working on a, on a car? It's, it's, um, it's so frustrating. And it just seems like whenever you're working in the dark, that whatever light you do have, it's, it's always like the dimmest light. It's, it's always a, 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 a light that casts more shadows than gives you actually a, a, a picture of what you're, you're doing. But it's hard to work in the dark because you can't see what you're doing. Uh, you look like, it looks like there's something done, but there's something isn't done. There's shadows that play tricks on you. I had to paint my shed years ago, and I painted my shed towards the evening time. And I thought I did a good job. Till the next morning when I realized I didn't do a good job. There was areas around the trim that were not even touched. There was brush strokes where you could see the gaps where it needed to be covered more. But at night it looked good. At night it looked like, I was looking back and I was like, not bad. And in the morning, the sun revealed and exposed all the areas that I missed. One of the painters at work today challenged me. He says, you know how to paint? I says, yeah. He says, I've had to see. So I started painting, and then I realized he was just getting me to paint. He was just getting me to do his job. <laughs> it's like Tom Sawyer. I said, here, man, I got other things to do. Um, but you know what light does is it exposes and it reveals. 
And one of the things that, some, uh, that the light of Christ does, it, it, it exposes our sins. That sin, word sin is an archery term, and it simply means just missing the mark. Okay? We're all sinners, each and every one of us, young and old, the sweetest grandmother, the innocent of, the, of, 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 of toddlers. We're all sinners. You know? and, and, and again, it's hard to hear that because we want to be told how good we are. We want to be told how inherently uh, uh, good humanity is. But the truth is, is because of Adam's sin, each and every one of us is born, is born with that inherent nature to be sinful. In the book of Ephesians chapter 5, verse 13, it says, But when you expose them, the light shines in upon their sin and shows up. And when they see how wrong they really are, some of them may even become children of light. That is why God says in the scriptures, awake, awake, O sleeper, and rise up from the dead. Christ shall give you light. So be careful how you act. These are difficult days. Don't be fools, but be wise, making the most of every opportunity you have for doing good. He says, awake, O sleeper, and rise from the dead, and Christ shall give you light. You know, when that light of Christ begins to shine in your life, he begins to reveal those things that shouldn't be there. And I'm not talking about just them big top ten commandment sins. I'm talking about even just those small little uh, uh, white lies that we tell. The light of Christ begins to shine on it and, and, and begins to convict us. You know, maybe we're not out there robbing banks, but we're stealing grapes from the grocery store. Right? It's those things that the Spirit of God will begin to shed light and begin to convict us, you know. Maybe we're not robbing from Home Depot, but, uh, you know, we're taking notepads from work. It's those little things that the light of Christ will begin to shine on and say, hey, I'm revealing something. I'm showing you something. That this isn't part of, 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 of my nature. This is part of the sinful nature. And he begins to show it to us, to reveal to us. The light of Christ that exposes and reveals the need for a Savior. And, and, and that's why God begins to show us and convict us about these areas in our lives of, uh, that, these, that he wants to deal with. Because he wants to show us that we need a Savior. Whether we are believers or not, we all need a Savior. Whether you're saved or not, each and every one of us needs a Savior. And as believers... God began to show us these areas in our lives and begin to expose and deal with us because he wants us to turn to Christ. He wants us to turn to Jesus because it's Jesus that has the power to forgive us of our sin and to deliver us of our sin. In John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus says something bold. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Here, Jesus, he's claiming exclusivity to the Father. He's saying no other religion, no other philosophy, no other holy man is going to allow you access to the Father. Your access to the Father comes through me. We have so many ideas about who Jesus is, you know, that he was a holy man, that he was a wise man, that he was a prophet or a messenger of God. He even asks his disciples, and he says, um, 
who do uh, men say that I, the son of man, am? This is, you guys have been with me for a while. Who are people saying that I am? And, and they began to respond. They began to say John the Baptist or Elijah or Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Peter, he says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. You know what Peter had? He had a revelation of who Jesus Christ was. He had a revelation of who Jesus Christ was in his life. And that's what we need uh, is, is a revelation of who Jesus is. If we don't know Jesus, we need a revelation of who Jesus is as Lord and Savior. If we have Jesus and we serve in God, we need that revelation of who Jesus is for whatever it is that we're going through. Whether it's a financial struggle, we need the revelation of Jesus that he is the provider. Whether it's a physical struggle, we need the revelation of Jesus that he is the healer. Whether it's um, a, 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 a struggle with sin, we need the revelation that Jesus is the deliverer. We need to have that personal relation, uh, revelation of who Jesus is. We were in Bible study, and, and we were talking about um, that question that sometimes comes up. It's like, why me, Lord? You know, I, why of all my friends, of all my families, God, you chose me to serve you. You chose me to know you. When I was young, I was a new convert. Uh, I, I was um, hanging with some of my old friends, and, and they began to say, hey, man, I heard you're a Christian now. I heard you're one of those hallelujah holy rollers now. And I says, yeah, I am, you know. Uh, his name was Froggy, right? And he was just riding me. He's like, I don't believe you're changing, man. I don't believe that, that uh, what you're doing is, is, uh, is going to help you. I think you're going to be doing the very same thing you're doing uh, that, um, that you were doing last month. And I was just, you know, just listening to him. And I was saying, you know, you just watch what Jesus done in my life, does in my life. I was telling him then, right? You know, and, and I just began to share with him Jesus. And a friend of mine, he was sitting in there, and he grew up in the church. He was raised in the church. And at one point, he interjects, and he says, everything Manny's saying is true. He says, I, I, I was raised in the church. My parents were in the church all my life. And I looked at him, and I'm like, why didn't you ever tell me, man? You know? The difference was that he never had a personal revelation of who Jesus was in his life. He had this knowledge because he had been growing up in the, in, the, in the house of God all his life, but he never had the grasp of, of who Jesus is in terms of a personal Lord and Savior. Doubting Thomas, we've heard of him, right? You know, he walked with Jesus, you know, he saw the miracles. He saw Jesus heal. He saw Jesus raise Lazarus from the dead. He heard Jesus say, destroy this temple, and in three days I'll raise it up. He, he had a, a closeness with Jesus. He saw Jesus uh, be arrested. He saw Jesus be uh, crucified. Uh, he saw Jesus put in the tomb. And when the disciples came to him and they said, hey, Thomas, our Savior is risen. He's alive. The Lord lives, just as he said. Thomas says, I don't believe it. I don't believe it. And it's, there's times where each and every one of us is going to wrestle with doubt at some point. And it's not because we lack faith. It's just because we have finite minds and we're trying to wrap our, those finite minds around an infinite God. And Thomas was saying, 
I don't believe it. And I won't believe it until I put my fingers in his wounds and, and his side. And then Jesus says, okay, do it. Jesus said to him, put your finger in my hands. Put your hand into my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. This is where Thomas has a personal revelation because he gets down and he says, my Lord and my God. And in verse 31 of chapter 20, uh, um, book of John, it says, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, and that by believing you may have life in his name. See, the light of Christ exposes and reveals the way to deliverance. I was reading a story about this man that was, um, he used to go exploring in the caves, right? And uh, it caught my mind because I'm claustrophobic, so even just reading about being in a cave was freaking me out. But he was saying that he was in the cave, and these are caves that they had uh, explored before, and that um, his the guys that they were with, you know, they were all experienced um, cave explorers. But what happened was they got lost. They got lost in the cave and they began to panic because they realized they only had like about 30 minutes worth of light left in their headlamps. And he says he just remembered just, just laying there and just praying to God and asking God, Lord, just get us out of here. Give us deliverance, God. Get us out of this cave because he didn't want to die in this cave, right? And sure enough, one of the guys that they were with said, wait a minute, I think I know. And they ended up finding their way out. The deliverance is the action of being rescued or being set free. In the book of Luke, chapter 19, verse 10, it says, For the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which is lost. You know what? Freedom happens in the light. When, when we allow the, the light of God to shine down on those secrets that we carry, man, there, there's, there's freedom in that, man. Oftentimes we want God to deliver. We're, God, we're saying, God, just take this away. Take this, whatever I'm struggling with, away. And God's a lot of times saying, let it go, man. Let it go. Bring it into the light. Expose it. Expose it. And we wrestle with the fear of shame and embarrassment. But God is saying there's freedom in the light, man. There's freedom in the light, and, and when you expose and put the light on whatever it is you're struggling with, man, there's deliverance in there, and there's freedom in there, and there's a looseness in there, and there's that ability to breathe. And just like those men that were lost in the cave, when they see that light, oh, man, you know you're saved. The very sin that Satan tempts us with is the very sin that he condemns us with. This is why accountability is so important, man. Find somebody. Let them know, hey, these, this is some of the things that I'm wrestling with. Can I, can I use you as an accountability partner? Because God wants to heal. God wants to heal. It's not to embarrass or, or to make us feel ashamed, but it's to heal and to redeem and to deliver. See, he is the light and he is the life. And the two cannot be separated. His word is truth, and his word, when followed and obeyed, it brings life. Uh, in the book of Psalms, 119, 105, it says, Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Light allows us that ability to, to, to see where we're going. You ever try walking in, in the dark? 
in rough terrain. And, and I'm not talking about like down the street in the dark because we have all those street lights. I'm talking about, you know, like if you've ever been hiking or in the woods or where there is no street lights, it's dark. And you don't know what's in front of you. And you don't know what dangers or pitfalls might be there. And so if you carry a lantern, if you carry a light, what are you able to do? You're able to shine that light onto your path. And what does that do? You're able to avoid any obstacles or pitfalls that might be in your path. And that's what the word of God is. It's saying you're a, a, it's a light unto my path. Because oftentimes we're walking in darkness. And, and when our path is illuminated, when the light of God's word shines, it begins to say, you know what? Stay away from this. It's dangerous. Stay away from this because this, this is going to cause issues in your marriage. Stay away from this. Uh, you know, don't let this in your house because it's going to cause issues with your children. That light that uh, God illuminates our path, it's to save us. It's to keep us. In John chapter 1 and uh, verse 4, it says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. John chapter 5, verse 26, it says, Just as the Father has life in himself, even so he gave the Son to have life in himself. He is life, okay? It didn't say that through him we have life. In him is life. In him is light. You know, when we lay hands on people and we pray for the sick, God is working through us. In and of ourselves, uh, you know, we don't have that, the, the ability to heal anyone. It's what God's doing through us. We're his vessels. We're his conduits. But Jesus, he is life. Okay? Jesus is the one that heals. Jesus is the one that, that delivers. He's the one that forgives. In him is life. So when we're listening to his word and we're following his word, we're, we're, we're ingesting life into our lives. That word light is phos, which means to give light, to make appear, to make manifest, to make evident. In the book of John, chapter 8, verse 12, it says, Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world, and he who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. It's that. You ever have that just like when something clicks, that, ah, I understand now, you know? And, and it's one of those that as we read, man, our minds are being renewed and our thoughts are being renewed. And as we read and study and seek the face of God and seek his word, man, that we begin to understand. We begin to have that revelation of what's going on in our lives and, and, and we begin to even see what's going on in the world around us. As the light, he reveals the Father. You know, because of Christ, we can have a personal relationship with the Father. Because of Jesus, we can have a personal relationship with God. In so many other religions, um, God is not personal. He's very impersonal. But through Jesus, we can have a personal relationship with God the Father. Through the Son, we can know and who the Father is. We can have that personal relationship with him. In the book of John, chapter 12, verses 44 through 46, it says, Then Jesus cried out and said, He who believes in me believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And he who sees me sees him who sent me. I have come as a light into the world, that whoever believes in me shall not abide in darkness. 
Matthew Henry commentary, he says, Our Lord publicly proclaimed that everyone who believed on him as a true disciple did not believe on him only, but on the Father who sent him. Beholding in Jesus the glory of the Father, we learn to obey, love, and trust him by daily looking to him who came, uh, who came a light to the world. We are more and more freed from darkness of ignorance, error, or sin, and misery. We learn that the command of God our Savior is everlasting life. But the same word will seal the condemnation of all those who despise or neglect it. What an awesome thing to be able to have fellowship with the Father, to have that intimacy with him. Where, where we don't just try to live good lives and try to do right and, and hopefully everything works out at the end, but we can have an intimacy with God. We could tell him what we're going through, what we're wrestling with. We could give him our fears. We could give him our worries and our doubts. We can be brutally honest with him and, and saying, God, I don't believe. Help my unbelief. I want to believe. Through Jesus Christ, we can, we can know the Father and, and, and have that personal revelation and personal walk with him. We can have that assurance that our prayers aren't just bouncing off the ceiling, but that God hears our prayers. That our tears, we can have that assurance that he sees those tears and he puts them in his jars of clay. That we don't serve an impersonal, cold, or distant God, but a God that's close, who's near, who hears, who's with us when we're all alone and, and, and sees the struggles that we go through and rejoices with us and, and blesses us and encourages us. That's the Father we, we are able to know and understand and love through his son, Jesus Christ. The light reveals what what was once hidden. See, the devil's strategy is to keep people blind, keep non-believers blind to salvation and to keep believers blind to the promises of God. His strategy is to, is to keep our eyes covered so that we don't see the hand of God moving in our lives, and to keep us ignorant and in darkness spiritually of, of what God is doing and what God is trying to do. And maybe you're praying for your kids and, and you don't see anything happening. You see them getting worse. The enemy's strategy is to blind you and say, why are you even wasting your time? And yet we don't see what God is doing. He's moving on their behalf, man. He's moving people in and out of their lives. And he's bringing them to a place where they'll be at the end of themselves and call upon the name of the Lord, man. Maybe we're praying for finances and, and, and we're being faithful in the tithe and faithful in the offering and, and we're waiting for that blessing and, and we're waiting for that blessing and waiting for that blessing. And we're like, Lord. And, God, and the devil would want to blind you and say, see, you're just wasting your money. You're just giving it away. And he wants to blind us to the reality that what we sow, we reap. And that when we're faithful, in the little, God will place us faithful in the much. And that when we are faithful to pay that tithe, the Bible says he'll open up the windows of heaven and pour out a, a blessing we cannot contain. And the enemy will try to rob you from that, and, you know. Man, we're always looking, man and humanity, always looking everything and anything but Christ. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 
He says, if the good news we preached is hidden to anyone, it is hidden from one who is on the road to eternal death. Satan, who is the god of this evil world, has made him blind, unable to see the glorious light of the gospel that is shining upon him, or to understand the amazing message we preach about the glory of Christ, who is God. We don't go around preaching about ourselves, but about Christ Jesus as Lord. And all we say of ourselves is that we are your slaves because of what Jesus has done for us. For God who said, let there be light in darkness, has made us understand that it is the brightness of his glory that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. In closing, as our worship team comes up, one of the differences between our faith with Christianity and and other faiths is that we are able to pursue God because he first pursued us. That we love him because he first loved us. And that we can know who it is we serve. We can know where it is we're going. We can have assurance when something is dark, is darkened, and you can't make it out, and you don't know what it is, there's a doubt, and there's a fear, and there's an apprehension. But when light comes upon it, and you're able to receive it and see exactly what it is, you realize you are afraid of nothing. You realize you are worried for nothing. With Christ, we can have assurance. Assurance, comfort, encouragement. And that light, it's not just for us but as to be stingy with, but it's meant for us to share. The light is meant to be shared. As the moon reflects the light of the sun, we need to reflect the light of the sun. We need to reflect the goodness of God in our lives and allow others to see that and be able to be a witness to them and encourage them and tell them about the light. When a room is dark, you turn on the light switch, right? When the power goes out and the light switch doesn't work, what do you do? You take a candle, you take a flashlight, and as you take it into that dark room, that darkness begins to dispel, and and that light begins to shine bright, and it begins to reveal. Matthew chapter 5, it says, You are the light of the world, and a city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. That's what Christ did, as he glorified the Father. And when we allow our light to shine, the light of Christ within us, we glorify the Father. When we begin to take the word of God and begin to share it with our family, or our friends, or our co-workers, what are we doing? We're bringing light into their world. We're bringing light into what's dark. You know, we, we, we know, we, I hear it in our prayer requests in our, in our Bible studies. Let's pray for unsafe family. Let's pray for unsafe co-workers. Each and every one of us here knows somebody. Know somebody personally and closely that are not saved. And we have that light. And Jesus didn't die so that 
you know, just so that we can be made to feel better about ourselves. He died to give us life and that life in abundance. And he says, and what I'm giving to you, go and tell others about it. Share it with others, encourage others. How many people are out there that are just saying, you know, I need some good news. I need some good news. You have the good news. You have the gospel of Jesus Christ. The, the resurrection power, the Holy Spirit at work in your life. And that person or that individual that God is speaking to you right now about, go and encourage them. Go share with them what Jesus has done in your life. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear you Bible thump. Don't Bible thump. Just tell them what Jesus has done in your life. How God opened your eyes. How you were once blind and now you're able to see. How you were living in darkness and now you're in the light. Don't underestimate the power of your testimony. What God has done in your life. With uh, every head bowed and every eye closed tonight.